All right, this morning we will be in Ruth chapter 2, book of Ruth in chapter 2. I'll give you a moment to turn there with me if you would. As you're doing so, I want to share this with you. I heard the story of a cowboy who applied for health insurance. As the health agent was making his way through a marathon list of questions, he asked the cowboy, have you had any accidents? To which the cowboy replied, no, not at all. Then he says, well, I was bitten last year by a rattlesnake, and a horse kicked me in my ribs, and that did lay me up for a little while. And the agent responded with a confused look on his face, well, wouldn't you consider those accidents? And he said, why, no, they both did it on purpose. Everything that happens in your life happens on purpose. It happens because God has a plan. You are here, you are wherever you are today. You are living wherever God has placed you. You're living in this time of COVID, and sometimes you wonder, why, God, am I living through this pandemic? But God has placed you here at this time for a reason. And today in Ruth chapter 2, we'll find that even, even though we have some seemingly uh, chance decisions that those are in perfect harmony with God's plan and His will and His chosen determination. So today I want you to see four truths as we examine Ruth chapter 2. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this morning, the opportunity that we have to join together virtually, to share your word together, to sing your praises together. Lord, I pray that today we would take these truths that you give to us in your word and that we would apply them to our lives, that we would understand them, that you would use them to penetrate our hearts, that we might understand you better, understand your sovereignty and your grace and your goodness and your mercy to an extent that we had not before. Lord, be with us as we study this passage. Open our minds, open our hearts, that we might respond to you appropriately. Pray this in the holy and precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Look with me, beginning in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family, and his name was Boaz. Ruth the Moabitess asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor? Naomi answered her, Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. We're going to stop there for now because we see the first point that I want to share with you, our, our first uh, division here, first truth, is that God provides divine direction. Now, we closed last week with two widows returning from the land of Moab. Uh, they have nothing. They return to the city of Bethlehem. Uh, Naomi says, I have gone away full, and I have come back empty. They were poor. They had no hope for the future that they could see, but we... The author shows us this hope at the end of chapter 1 of this 
It's the, the barley harvest has come. And so we see this sign of hope, this one-sentence sign of hope there at the end of chapter 1, but they haven't seen it yet. From their perspective, it looked like everything was grim. It looked like nothing was going the way they had planned. The situation was grim, but not from God's perspective. God had a plan for them, and we're, uh, be, we're still discussing this centuries later. Uh, as we examine Ruth chapter 2, we see God's sovereignty on display as he directs their paths. And in this, this first few verses, we see two particular ways that God works. First of all, God works through particular people. In the case of Naomi and Ruth, we're introduced to a man who is a relative of Naomi's husband. Uh, he's described here as a prominent man of noble character. He has a good reputation. He has a, a high social standing. Notice the way the author goes through and describes this man and holds his name until the very end, building up this anticipation. Who is this man? Well, his name is Boaz, and he is from Elimelech's family. So Boaz was positioned to be the man that God would use for the plight of these two women. He would use Boaz to meet their needs. Uh, he was a man of integrity. He was a man of influence. So he had both the credentials and the character to help them. But not only that, he's a close relative of Elimelech. And so he is of the right clan to help them. So he's got the right character, he's got the right credentials, and he's got the right clan to be able to help them. He's set up relationally, he's set up morally, he's set up uh, financially to meet their needs to solve Ruth and Naomi's troubles. We see that he is an example to the community and, and that he is an example to us. Boaz is the kind of man that I hope to be for my family. He's the kind of man that I want my son to grow to be. He's the kind of man I want my daughters to marry someday. Well, we'll learn more about Boaz as we go on with this story. Uh, but the author has placed him at the front of this section to demonstrate to us that even though Naomi and Ruth can't see what's happening, in the background, God has a plan. And he's working, and he's going to work through this man named Boaz. But not only does God work through particular people, God also works through circumstances. Now, we all have basic needs to survive, and Naomi and Ruth had the same needs that we do, and one of those needs was they need to eat. Now, as Baptists, we like to eat, and we probably eat too much, but we know we need to eat to survive. And thankfully, God had provided for those who were poor in His law. If you look at Leviticus chapter 19, He says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you're not to reap to the very edge of your field or to gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not strip your vineyards bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien, for I am the Lord your God. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 24, he says, when you reap the harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf, you leave it in the field, don't go back to get it. It's to be left there for the resident alien, for the fatherless, and for the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And when you knock down the fruit from your olive tree, do not go over the branches again, for what remains will be for 
the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. And when you gather grapes of your vineyard, do not glean what is left. What remains will be for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and therefore I'm commanding you to do this. He says, hey, remember how poor, how you were poor and without, and I provided for you. You are going to provide for these widowless, uh, the widows, the fatherless, and the alien. And then in Deuteronomy 10, he says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God, who shows no partiality and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident alien, since you were also resident aliens in the land of Egypt. Now, Ruth was apparently familiar with this Jewish law, and so she asked permission from her mother-in-law to go into the field to go find someone who would allow her to glean, to work in their field so that she could eat and she could provide for Naomi. So Ruth takes the initiative, and Naomi says, yeah, go ahead and go. Now, in, re- in reading this, we don't see much activity from Naomi. And I think perhaps she had fallen into a despair. This is just perhaps me reading into the text. I'm not sure, but uh, I think it's pretty evident that she's lost everything. She's lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons. Uh, one of her, uh, her daughter-in-laws had abandoned her, gone back to the land of Moab at her urging, but only one person was left with her, and that was Ruth. And so uh, I think life circumstances had overwhelmed Naomi, and she had fallen into a depression that was crippling, didn't allow her uh, to, to, to do much. And so Ruth, seeing her and seeing her in this, knew that she would have to be the one to provide for them, plus she was the younger one. So she was the one who went out to glean in the fields. And then in verse 3, we see God working as Ruth just so happens to come to this particular field to work And this field is owned by who? It's owned by Boaz. So this was not by accident. This was not happenstance. God providentially, sovereignly planned for her to be there, to be in Boaz's field to work. He was directing Ruth down to the smallest detail. Ruth did not plan to go to Boaz's field. She didn't even know who Boaz was at the time. She just went to this random field, and it just so happens to be Boaz's field. So Ruth only did what she could do, and God did what only he could do. If you look at Proverbs 16 and verse 9, it says, A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. God uses both a particular person and your circumstances to shape and to guide life's decisions. Now look with me at verse 4. We're going to read through to verse 13. Later, when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, The Lord be with you. And they replied, The Lord bless you. Boaz asked his servant who was in charge of the harvesters, Whose young woman is this? The servant answered, saying, She is the young Moabite woman who returned from Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, will you let me gather fallen grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and has been on her feet since early morning, except that she rested a little in the shelter. 
Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field, and don't leave this one, but stay here, close to my female servants. See which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She fell face down, bowed to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor with you, so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me, how you left your father and mother in your native land, and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, I have found favor with you, for you have comforted and encouraged your servant, although I am not like one of your female servants. So we see, not only does God provide divine direction, we also see he's providing divine protection for Ruth. Ruth ran a great risk by going out in the fields, but she didn't have much choice. They needed to eat, and so she went out. But she was a pretty, she was single, she was a young foreign woman in the land of Israel, and she couldn't have been more vulnerable. Sure, God provided some protections in his law, but as we all know, not everyone always follows the law, and during the time of the judges, the only time they had someone to enforce the law, as far as a man, was when God raised up a judge. And so they, they don't have a, a king who ensures that everything is running uh, properly. God himself was the one, as we discussed last week, God himself was the one who would have to provide and protect her. And so we learn from Ruth that we must trust God to involve the right people. Trust God to involve the right people. Because wouldn't you know it, she's out working in this field, and lo and behold, who shows up but Boaz, the owner of the field, this man that we know can provide for her, can redeem her, but she doesn't know this yet. Listen to the first words that we have from Boaz. As if the first words we have recorded is, Yahweh be with you to his servants. He goes out to those who are working in his field. The, the name of Yahweh is on his lips. He's a man of godly character. He treats his servants with respect. He treats them with kindness. You know, there's that saying that always says, you, you look at how someone treats the people who are below them to see their character. And so we see from this character that Boaz, that Boaz <clears throat> is a godly man. He treats his servants with respect and kindness and wishes God's blessing upon them. And look at the response of the people back to him, his servants back to him. Yahweh bless you. He says, Yahweh be with you. They say, Yahweh bless you. And so the people love, the people who work for him love and respect this man. They understand him to be a, a worthy and noble man. But as Boaz comes into his field, he catches the eye, or he, someone catches his eye rather, uh, he asks the foreman of the field, he says, who's this woman who's working in the fields? He says, whose young woman is this? So there's uh, perhaps an age distinction there. Who, but he wants to know, who is this beautiful, this hardworking young woman out in my field? Who does she belong to? Surely she must belong to some man. 
And notice the foreman doesn't identify her by name. He doesn't know, perhaps, uh, but by her nationality. Hey, she's the Moabitess. Maybe he didn't even bother to get her name, but he too noticed something about her. Notice what he says. He speaks of her character. He says she's been working all day long except for a short break. She's been working hard all day. She's been on her feet all day long. She's only stopped to rest for a short period of time. Now, there's many young men and young women today who are looking for God to bring Mr. Right or Miss Right into their lives. And as we celebrate Valentine's Day today, uh, perhaps this is on my mind or your mind more than normal. Uh, but the fact is that for the ancient Near East, for a woman in that, that period, this was not just a desire that, hey, I want somebody to, to love me. This was survival mode. This was what they needed. They needed a man to provide for them, to help them to survive. But notice, it's not Ruth's focus. She's focusing on the survival mode. Hey, I got to get the food. I got to get it back. I got to work hard. And so she does. And her character is brought out here. She's, she's the type of woman that causes other people to sit up and take notice of her. Not because of her beauty necessarily, but sure that gets attention. But it's her character. It's her conduct. It's the way that she carries herself. And she's a godly woman. She's working hard. In fact, I think we miss something in our English Bibles with the way they're set up because in the English Bible, the book of Ruth follows the book of Judges, which makes sense because it's taking time during that period of time. But in the Jewish Bible, the book of Ruth doesn't come after Judges. It comes after Proverbs. And so if you're reading through Proverbs, you know the last chapter, chapter 31, at the end of that chapter, speaks about a, a, a woman who is noble, a noble wife, a godly woman. And so you finish reading Proverbs 31, and then you go into the book of Ruth, and you see this example of Ruth, the godly woman. And so Ruth illustrates to us what the Proverbs 31 woman looks like. And so Ruth demonstrated here that she was ready for God to bring the right person into her life. If we live for the Lord and if you trust Him to involve the right people in your situation, He's going to do so. Notice also, not only do we have to trust that God's going to involve the right people, we also have to trust that God is going to implement the right plan, and that plan is His plan. Now, Boaz here takes the initiative and he lays out this gracious plan, this beneficial plan for Ruth that will solve her and Naomi's food shortage situation. And so he says to her, continue to work in my field. Don't go anywhere else. I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for Naomi through you. So don't go anywhere else. Right? And then he says, glean with my female servants. There's protection in numbers. So that he's saying you're, you're coming in. You're going to be a part of the group of my servants, my people. Uh, and you don't have to just take home the leftovers, but you get, you, you get to join in on the harvest. You get the full blessings of being one of mine, even though you're not. He says, don't worry about the young men. Boaz instituted the first uh, anti-sexual harassment policy that we have recorded in Scripture. He says, you don't have to worry about being abused in the fields. You don't have to worry about the young men coming after you. 
you're going to be protected in my field. And, and we learned that later uh, this was a concern for other fields. If you go in other fields, maybe that protection might not be there. And then furthermore, his instruction in verse 9, he says to drink from what the young men have drawn. That's, this is something we can easily gloss over, but it's really quite extraordinary. It, it kind of borders on the fantastic because in that culture, it was the norm for a foreigner to be the one to draw water for the Hebrews. And it was the norm for the women to draw water for the men. And yet he says to her, I don't, my men are going to draw water and you can partake of that. What a show of grace. What a show of fortune. What a show of faithful love that Boaz shows to Ruth. She had come out to his field hoping to just be able to scratch out a living. Literally. I'm going to pick up the gleaning. I'm going to take what is left over. But instead, God had something else planned. So Ruth did what she could do, and God did what he could do. And so we see in Boaz an example for us of what God has done for us in his son Jesus Christ. He invites us to labor no more in the fields of this world, but to work in his fields by allowing Christ to be the one to take responsibility for us. He was the one who died on the cross. He was the one who provided for us. He was the one who brings all people into union with him because he is the one who died on the cross for the sins of all mankind. And we must simply trust in why he has done. He's providing for us. And he invites us to join his servants when you confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. He brings you into a union with other people who believe the same thing. We call that union the church. And we come together to work together uh, as servants in the Lord's field who we assist one another in development. We work alongside one another in the Lord's work, just as Ruth would work along his female servants. Not only that, but God protects those who have placed their faith and trust in Him from our accuser, the, our enemy, the devil, who brings all kinds of insidious accusations against us and say, look, you're not worthy. You, you can't do this. We don't have to worry we have, we're protected from the fiery darts of the enemy because of the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And He provides, not only that, He provides the fount of living water. Jesus told the woman at the well that you will never thirst again, for I am the well of living water that brings everlasting life. We don't have to worry about the second death, Jesus says. You'll never experience it if you've placed your faith trust in me. So we have to trust God to implement the right plan for your life. Not only that, but we have to trust God to inspire within us the right perspective. Ruth was overcome by Boaz's generosity and his kindness, and she says, I didn't earn this. I don't expect this, and we shouldn't either. Uh, but she came out to work hard and to Work hard because of her love and devotion to Naomi and to the Lord. She is an amazing example of what we should do and what we should let God do. Notice Ruth's humility. When Boaz 
says these great gracious plan to her. She fell to the ground with her face down, a posture of gratitude, a posture of respect. She couldn't go any lower. Why would this man help her, a foreign woman, a foreign widow? And she is rightly stunned by his graciousness. Respond by surprise at his kindness. Ruth is an example of how we should respond to the Lord's actions for us in Christ Jesus. The, the psalmist wrote, Who is man that you are mindful of him? Who, who are we that God would save us, that God would send his one and only son to die for us? Who is God that he would redeem us from the curse of sin? Well, we're nobody, just a foreigner living in rebellion against the Lord. But he sent his son to die for us. So we respond with humility. We respond by submitting ourselves to Him. Now Boaz responded that the reason was that he had heard of all that Ruth had done for Naomi. The, the love, the devotion, the sacrifices. is not about her work in the field. Not necessarily. It's about who she was. That she was humble. She was always working for another. She wasn't living for herself. She was living for God and for Naomi. She was humble. Let us also be humble before the Lord. But notice, though she's humble, she's honored. Boaz invokes this prayer of blessing on Ruth, and he entrusts her to the Lord. He says, you have come under the Lord's wings for refuge. And this further clarifies to us that Ruth had fully left the gods of Moab, and fully embraced Yahweh as her God. She trusted in Yahweh alone. And we have this great metaphor of God as, as this mother hen who's providing protection for those who trust in Him. Psalm 91 says, He will cover you with His feathers. You will take refuge under His wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. So Ruth was humbled, hiding under the wings of the Lord, taking refuge in the wings of the Lord. But because of that, she was exalted. She says, I don't deserve the status that you've granted to me, and we don't deserve the status that God has granted to us, but He's taken us who have believed in Him. He's taken us under His wing to protect us. And may we all be humble like Ruth so that we may be honored. Now look with me at verse 14 as we continue on. Mealtime came, Boaz told her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. And so she sat beside the harvesters, and he offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. And when she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young man, let her even gather among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stocks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until the evening. She beat out what she had gathered, and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went into town where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. So, so far we've seen God's direction, we've seen God's uh, protection, now we see God's provision. Ruth had caught Boaz's eye, but she had also captured his heart. And though Boaz was the one showing her kindness, 
he was doing so as an instrument of the Lord. Uh, there's a delicate balance here that we need to, to understand. There's a lesson here for us. First of all, we trust the Lord to provide. Trust the Lord to provide. Boaz invited Ruth to come in for a meal. She was able to eat not only enough to be satisfied, but enough to take the leftovers home to Naomi. Furthermore, Boaz commanded his men to allow her to glean even among the stalks, even among what they had already picked up, and he even commanded them to drop extra for her. Basically, anything that she needs, make sure she gets it. He warns them not to humiliate her, not to rebuke her. Don't threaten her. Don't try to shame her. Now, Ruth had no control over any of this. This was solely Boaz. But she trusted the Lord would provide for her. She didn't sit back in laziness or in presumption, though. She didn't come to them saying, Hey, listen, the law requires that you provide for me and Naomi because we are widows. We demand that you allow us, allow me to work in your field together. If she had come with that kind of attitude, the response would have been quite different. But she came, she was ready to work, and so we see not only do we trust the Lord to provide, but we also do our part. You have to do your part. Ruth saved from what she was given to be able to provide for Naomi, and after she had her meal with Boaz, we see she got back up, she went back to work, and she worked until the evening time. And when she had gathered her grain, she had to go and beat it out, likely with a stick. So God had provided through Boaz the grain that she needed, but she had to do the hard work of gathering it and beating it. And so Paul had wrote in 2 Thessalonians, he had written in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and he says, In fact, when we were with you and there in Thessalonica, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, then he should not eat. The book of Proverbs clearly shows that God doesn't like lazy people. Laziness is consistently condemned through Proverbs. God has called us to work. And uh, on my screen at work, uh, I have a, a background image that says, hey, don't be stupid. Do your work. And it's a good reminder because you can't expect to receive anything for doing nothing. Can't expect it either physically, can't expect it spiritually. You can pray all day that God will send His Spirit to, to go and to work in people's hearts. And He'll do so. He'll, he'll do that. But we also must go out and do the work of evangelists. We must go out and share the gospel with people. And I'm afraid too often we want the blessings of God without doing the work that He requires from us. And so when we don't work much, we don't get much. Ruth worked hard, and, and God provided, and, and she gleaned and, uh, what in the Hebrews is an ephah of, of barley. That's about 22 liters, or 5.8 gallons. Now, how much would they normally need to eat for a day? Uh, would be about one liter, one liter of grain. So, instead of one liter for the day, she got 22. Now, that's an incredible amount for one day's work. And if she were to, to get the same amount for each day, that would be enough for both her and Naomi to, to be able to, to eat for more than a week. So if Ruth worked every day during just the barley harvest, she would harvest enough to be able to provide for her and Naomi through the, last, the end of the year. 
What a great provision had come to them by the Lord through Boaz. For in His sovereignty, God provides for His people. Look with me at verse 19. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you gather barley today? Where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law whom she had worked with and said, The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him, because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, For this man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers, one of our kinsmen redeemers. Ruth the Moabite said, He also told me, Stay with my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, My daughter, it is good for you to work with his female servants so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So we see divine celebration. Divine celebration. For it had been quite a day for Ruth. She, she came home tired but full. God had not forgotten her. He had not forgotten Naomi. Uh, and the tide of their lives began to turn. And their responses teach us to celebrate God's sovereign divine works. We have to celebrate God's goodness. See, Ruth returned home with her leftovers and her grain. And Naomi was both surprised and amazed at the amount that she brought home with her. Uh, And she said, I must know where it is that you worked. But her interest wasn't really in the location. It was in whose field was it? She wanted to know the owner. But before she even knows the name of the owner, she blesses the owner, this unknown to her yet, this owner uh, who has provided for her, for he deserves to be blessed because of his great provisions for them. But Ruth then adds to the celebration of God's goodness toward him, toward them with her answer. For who was it but Boaz who had provided? The celebrations of, of God's goodness turns to a greater joy and greater gratitude as they celebrate not only God's goodness, but God's grace For Naomi immediately recognized the name. And this is the first time that we have in Scripture that Naomi praises and thanks the Lord. For she says, May the Lord bless him because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Well, who who she's talking about there? Is Is she talking about Boaz or is she talking about Yahweh? Well, the answer there is both. This kindness is from Boaz, but it's also from Yahweh. God had shown through Boaz that he's not forsaken Naomi or her family. For Boaz is a goel, a a kinsman redeemer. He's a grace-filled theme of the the kinsman redeemer. begins here, and we'll talk more about that in uh, the coming weeks. But in God's grace, God had brought them to the very person who could solve all of their problems that Naomi and Ruth faced. They had moved from bitterness in chapter 1 to blessing in chapter 2. And in His grace, God was moving. So Ruth and Naomi celebrate the, the Lord's provision for them and celebrate His sovereignty knowing that God has directed them 
to this man. And so they celebrate God's guidance. Ruth recounted the kindness that Boaz had shown to her, to her mother-in-law, and Naomi commends his kindness and, and points out that this will ensure Ruth's safety. Uh, perhaps it was common in, in the fields of, of others for uh, abuse to take place. But God had guided Ruth to a place of both provision and protection. And then we find this, that she life went on normal. She went out to work in the fields, Ruth did. Uh, she followed his instructions. She worked for several months. She worked through both the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and we don't see any further development of their relationship. Surely Boaz was coming and checking on her. We don't know the, what's going on in the back, but this, this story ends with Ruth is still living with Naomi, and we're, we're thinking, what is going on? Is God not moving? Is God not working? Shouldn't she be living with Boaz now? Shouldn't she have married him yet? What is God doing? When will he... Use Boaz to redeem Ruth and Naomi. But, you know, Adrian Rogers said, men worry about time, but God worries about timing. We leave the timing to the Lord. He'll work all things out for our good. Celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate God's grace. Celebrate God's guidance. Believe the timing to the Lord. And so, how do we respond to this message? How do we as modern Christians, how does this apply to our lives? Well, we must understand that God is sovereign over all His creation. As Chloe saying, He's got the whole world in His hands. He is in control. And even when life seems hopeless, even when it seems chaotic, God has a plan. He has a purpose for everything. And so we respond like Boaz and Ruth responded. Both Boaz and Ruth acted as a, as a channel for God's love. And you and I must learn to love other people just like God has loved us. We must serve other people as, as God has served us. God had a plan for Ruth. He had a plan for Boaz. He had a plan for Naomi. And He has a plan for your life. And his plan may not be easy, but it will be good. Remember that in Jesus, God gave his best. And we can trust God with the rest. Are you trusting him today? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this morning, the opportunity we have to study your word. I pray that you would help us to trust you. And if there's anyone who's watching this or hearing this today who is not trusted Jesus as Lord and as Savior, that they would do so today. God, I pray that for us that belong to you, that we would trust you to direct our steps, to direct our paths, to lead us to your godliness. Help us to have an attitude like Ruth, that we will work hard and be humble so that we may be exalted as she was. Lord God, we know that the ultimate exaltation comes at the end of time, at the end of our lives, when you bring your church together, exalted with Christ. God, thank you for your love for us, for your grace that you've shown us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.